you know, God's been putting on my heart a lot lately about us loving each other as the body of Christ, us treating each other the way that we should treat one another. And and what's really tough, maybe you guys don't experience it, but I do. Usually the people that we're closest to are the people that we treat the worst. I... I don't really have a logical answer for that. It's just like, okay, you know everything about me, so I can just pour all my garbage on top of you, and you should be okay with that because you understand. You know me anyway better than anybody else. So it's, you know, strengthen, strengthen your shoulders and hold all my garbage, and, and we'll, we'll make it through life together. And, and it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense that we are hardest and less pleasurable with the people that we should love the most and be the closest to. Some of you perhaps have husbands or wives. Some of you may be contemplating that in the future someday I'm going to have a wife or a husband. And uh, it seems like that is the hardest relationship to hold together. I mean, you know, it's funny. I like watching Dan and Sawicki. I think they got the perfect, it, through, through our eye, through my eyes, and probably through Angelisa's eyes, when we see them, we see the perfect husband and wife. I mean, they never quarrel with each other. They never, you know, he's just laughing. You know, they, they just love each other and they get along. I'm sure they never fight or argue. Um, maybe the kids could validate that one way or the other, but I won't ask them out of their sheer embarrassment and dismay. But... Me and my wife, Sheila, we tend to disagree on occasion. Um, and it's not pretty sometimes. But we both love the Lord. We're both serving the Lord. And, you know, it's funny. We can put up with people in a church that act totally obnoxious. People at work in the secular world that act totally obnoxious. But... But we want to fight. Why is it? It just doesn't make, it doesn't pass the common sense test, but yet it's it's a fact of life with probably, I'll, I'll be conservative as we would at work, and I'll say 85% of the universe has that same problem. I would say realistically, unlike our job, that is probably more like 99% because... If you look at the statistics for unsaved people versus saved people, marriages, it seems like they're both running about the same. It seems like they're running 50-50. 50% make it, 50% don't. I was telling Angelisa earlier, we, me and my wife were just out this past weekend. We stayed a night in a hotel, and we went just cruised around Bennington and uh, we went down the Appalachian Trail and a couple other trails and looked at some places and stuff and we were celebrating our 30th anniversary which is tomorrow by a miracle I can remember that date Um, mainly because my kid is 29 so it makes it a little bit easier I got some if I can remember either my anniversary or her birthday I can remember one or the other. If I lose both of those, then I'm just stuck. 
Then I got to try to remember what year I was married and hopefully 1988. I only remember all these dates because we were just talking about it recently. As I told some of you, like, I have a tough time remembering names. I have a tough time remembering pretty much anything. That's why I write everything down at, at work. They, they laugh at me. At home, my wife picks on me. I, first thing I do when I go home, I write on my She goes, why are you scribbling on that calendar all the time? I said, I'm checking off what I've done, and I'm writing down what I need to do before I forget it. She's like, are you serious? I'm like, I'm like, dude, I got so much going on that if I don't write it down, I am going to forget it and not do it. That's just the way it is. And I do the same thing at work. And thank God I don't usually miss stuff, but it can happen. Believe me, it can happen, and I don't like that. So, talking about how we treat one another and stuff, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start on verse 20. Now, this is a scripture. The Apostle Paul is really rebuking the, the church in Corinth pretty heavy here because they were not respecting one another as the body of Christ. You know, I, I mentioned, you know, marriages because it seems like, well, that that's my weakest point, I guess. That's why it's on my mind a lot. That's why I pray about it so much because I love my wife. I hope she loves me. She hasn't divorced me yet or killed me. She's threatened to do both, but she hasn't done it, thank God. But, you know, she loves the Lord, and she knows that that wouldn't be good to do that. But I can, I can irritate her. Not on purpose all the time. Just It's just my nature, I guess. I irritate people at work, so I see no reason why I don't irritate her. The, the higher up I get in my job, it seems like the more people I can irritate faster. But I, tr- I try to be a good witness and a good testimony at work. I try to show them the love of God. And actually, a lot of people do come up to me and they say, you know what? I had a guy the other day come up to me and say, you know what? You're a breath of fresh air in this place. He goes, man, you're always cheerful. You're always, you know, upbeat. You're always pleasant. You know, hey, how you doing? What you been up to? You know, but I want to be a good witness and testimony. But sometimes I'm not especially around my own family sometimes I'm not. I want to be, I try to be, but sometimes I just get irritated and I just blow off steam. As, like I said, I'm sure none of you folks do. But but if you did, or if you knew somebody that did, you could try to be a witness and testimony to them and try to help them to stay calm. Remember, God is in control. and All that stuff that I said earlier is very true. I just got to remember it. So anyway, here's a situation, and we are going to have communion later, right? Good. Um, I want to start on verse 20 of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20, and I'm going to be reading out of the NIV Bible today. But I don't care what translation you use, as long as it's God's word, it really don't matter to me. When you come together, so again, this is the Apostle Paul is is talking to these people direct. He's not happy either. I'll, I'll, I'll warn you in advance, he's a little harsh here. 
When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For as you eat, each one goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. Exclamation point. He's like, I am not happy here, and I'm telling you flat out. You know, we think, we think all the time of the Lord's Supper is just a communion service a lot of times. But in Scripture, it was really, they got together as the body of Christ. They, they met together daily. They ate together. They prayed together. They read the word, studied the Word together. They worked together in some cases, many of them, every day. We, we think we're doing God a big service if we show up for an hour and a half on a Sunday, you know, and we think, man, we put, we put in our time. I mean, we do better than a lot of churches. You know, most churches only do the hour. We go above and beyond because, we, Lord, we give you the hour and a half, so we know you're going to give us extra blessings in heaven. He's like, what are you talking about? You know, God wants our hearts. He doesn't want us to punch a time clock as to how many hours a week we put in. He wants us 24-7. He wants our hearts. He wants our lives. He wants us to be sensitive to Him and what He wants. Asking the Lord, you know, even when we're, when we're deciding what job we're going to take, when we're deciding what house we want to live in, do we pray and ask God, Lord, what, what would be best for, yeah, for our family? But also, Lord, what would be best for the kingdom of God? How can we serve you better with this? How can we help others in the body of Christ? And those who aren't in the body of Christ yet, how can we use these tools to help draw them into the kingdom, to help them to grow? And it's all about teamwork. We say at work a lot of times at my job, teamwork makes the dream work. It's not just about me looking down at somebody and saying, well, gee, you know, trying to find people who are not as, quote-unquote, spiritual as I am, where I can say, Lord, bless God, you know, I'm not, I'm not like that guy. You know, in the Bible, Jesus told a parable about that kind of thinking. He talked about the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. The tax collector was so low at heart, he couldn't even look up to heaven. He just looked down and beat his breast and said, he couldn't say anything. But the Pharisee was like, Hey, Lord, uh, bless God, I do all this and that, and I pray, and I read your word, and I know all this. And Thank you, Lord, that I am not like that tax collector over there, that I am a spiritual dude. I use a little bit of my own uh, paraphrase there. And Jesus made it real clear that he didn't like that guy's attitude. At all. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want God to look at me and say, you know, I don't like that guy's attitude at all. I want him to say, this guy has the right heart. He has a humble heart. And that's where I want. I want to work with that. We, as the body of Christ, need to be willing to help others to work with that. We need to see people the way Christ sees them through, through God's glasses, not through our our glasses just see, I don't even know what, our glasses don't see very well sometimes. So, um, 
So if I take my glasses off, I really don't see very well. God wants us to have his heart. God wants us to care about people like he cares about people. Not being judgmental. There's only one judge that's perfect, and that's him. I don't want to be that guy. I mean, I'd love to have his heart and his mind and know things. And he does give us discernment. He does give us some discernment and and know certain things and know how to help people, know people's weak areas that we can go and help them, not to know people's areas so we can point our bony finger at them and have our megaphone out on the street corner and say, you're going to hell because, you know, you're a bad person. They already know that. Most people already know if they're bad or not. They have, they either have the Holy Spirit living within them if they're saved, or they have what what the world calls a conscience, where the Holy Spirit is trying to work his way in, but he won't force his way in. He tries to soften people's hearts. He tries to open that door, but he's not going to make you become a Christian or make you do the right things if you are a Christian. These people here in this in this book. And this is what we just read. They're getting together for the Lord's Supper. They're getting ready to eat. And there's some people that, I don't know if they were highfalutin or what, but they're like, man, I'm taking the food. You know, they're jumping right in there. They're getting all they want. Maybe maybe it's the click. You know how a lot of churches, they have clicks. You know, you have this group of people here and that group of people there. And all those guys, they're, they're kind of nerdy or they're... Yeah, they're they're not cool. You know, they're the they're the less spiritual ones. So we'll let them stay in their little group, and we'll have our super spiritual group here, the real super Christians. And the problem is, is the people who maybe are more spiritual. Maybe they have been with the Lord longer. Maybe they do really love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, strength. They need to put their arms out and help. The, the lower people or the less the less spiritual people or the people that are struggling or or whatever and not look down at them and say oh bless God you know I'm here and they're there and they can stay there and I'm okay here and we're good <clears throat> whether it's looking at people looking down at people because they're financially not in as good a position maybe they don't wear as nice a clothes as you or, or like I said, maybe you think that they're unspiritual. Maybe they're doing some worldly stuff that you know about. Maybe they have addictions that you know about. Instead of condemning them, we need to pray for them. We need to go to them and say, you know what? God hates sin. God hates your sin, but he loves you. And I love you. And I am willing to do anything I can to help you overcome this situation, whether it's just getting together with you and praying, maybe it's to be an accountability partner, I don't know, but I want to help you to succeed. That's the heart that we need to have, be willing to help each other as the body of Christ. So here, he's going through, they're having the Lord's Supper, they're gathering as the body of Christ to eat, to fellowship, And some people are eating and drinking and even getting drunk. 
and other people are going home with nothing. And Paul makes it real clear that this is not satisfactory for the body of Christ. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. <clears throat> Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So, <clears throat> whether we're talking about the supper of the Lord as far as us fellowshipping together and eating dinner together, or in the end part here was clear he was talking about how we celebrate communion, we need to be in prayer. We need to have discernment, to let the Holy Spirit work on our lives. We need to say, Lord, am I not being loving? Am I, is there things in my life that are wrong? Am I eating and drinking judgment on myself? I always like when we do communion, I always like to take a little time to reflect, like a little time for us to pray quietly, just for a few seconds, just so... If there's something in my life that I can think of that's not right, it's like the perfect time just to say, God, forgive me of this thing. You know, I, I haven't had time to sit down, or I haven't made time, I should say, to sit down and really give this to you. And Lord, I am sorry. God lo so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, so that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He gave everything so that we could be saved. Shouldn't we be willing to do the same for, for him, first of all, but for the body of Christ, so that more people can be saved? He says, For everyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number have fallen asleep. When it talks about falling asleep, it don't mean because I'm a long-winded preacher and you fell asleep, which can happen. I do it all the time. You can ask Dan. I, I need more hours of sleep, not in church, but before I show up for church. But he's talking about they drop dead. He said, this is why many among you are weak and sick and a number have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, 
We are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. He wants us. Again, everything God wants is for us to regain fellowship with Him. The fellowship that was lost way back in the Garden of Eden. He, he can't have sin in His presence. He wants us to follow Him, to love Him, to obey Him, because we want to. Not because he, he has a rule book that says, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. He wants us to want to do because He loves us and because we love Him. We need to, like he says, we need to judge ourselves so that we will not be judged by the Lord. The Lord disciplines those He loves, but I'll tell you what, I, I, I thank God for the Lord's discipline because it's so I don't end up in the lake of fire in the end. But I don't want the Lord to have to discipline me because it hurts. I would rather have the Lord come to me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. But I thank God that he does offer discipline so that I can be saved. That he doesn't just say, yeah, there's another lost cause. Okay, he can, he can literally go to hell and I'll work with these guys over here. But he says, Randy, come on, man. Again, this is the Holy Spirit in my own language speaking to me. It's like, come on. You know what's right. Why are you not doing what's right? He does it with all of us. We have the choice whether we're going to hear the voice or whether we're just going to say, well, I'm, I'm comfortable doing my thing. Or we just ignore the voice and say, "We." sometimes we even cover it up. When we hear the voice of God or when we have... Maybe the voice of God is coming through somebody else, maybe prophetically. Maybe somebody God puts on somebody else's heart to come to you and say, Hey, you. I don't know why, but God's put on my heart that you have this going on in your life, that you have this kind of an attitude or that you got this thing going on, and, and he really wants you to change it. And, and then you just instead of weighing it out and praying about it and saying, God, what's your will? You just you just blow it off. And say, no, Lord, you know my heart. You know I'm, I, I, I'm doing the right thing here. You know, The Apostle Paul, before he became Paul, when he was Saul, he, in his heart, thought he was doing the right thing. He was killing Christians because they were turning away from strict Judaism. And he really thought he was doing the right thing for God. And thank God, the Lord Jesus knocked him off his high horse one day on the road to Damascus and said, why are you fighting me? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to, I have instruction. I have ways I want things done. And why are you kicking against the goats? Why are you, why are you bucking against what I'm trying to do here? But the Apostle Paul immediately changed. When he heard that voice, he knew, oh man, I have screwed up big time. I am in trouble. And God says, no, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you for a lot of stuff. Buckle your seatbelt. Go to this place and talk to this guy who's going to pray for you to get your sight back. And 
I'm going to show you how much you're going to suffer for my kingdom. And it was a lot. He spent a lot of time in jail, beatings, stoned to death. Fortunately, not to death. Or maybe it was and he rose again. Who knows? But he went through a lot for the kingdom. So I would rather start off in the, in the Lord's pleasure, doing what he wants, than to have my tail kicked very hard and suffer as many things as the Apostle Paul had to suffer. But even if we do have to suffer for the kingdom, isn't it worth it? We have a Lord that gave his life for us. We don't think about suffering here in the United States. I mean, for us, suffering is somebody makes fun of us or thinks, oh, you're a fanatic Christian or whatever. But there's still foreign countries today where people are arrested, their possessions are taken from them, they're killed for their faith. We need to also pray for them. And believe me, they pray for us. A lot of those guys think they need to come and send missionaries here because we, at one time, were one nation under God where we fought for everything that was godly. And, and, and a lot of times, thank God, we still do so much compared to other countries. But we are not necessarily fighting for as much godly stuff as we did to way back when we started a couple hundred years ago. But we can. We can. It's our choice. It's other people's choices. But we need to, instead of pointing our finger and, and yelling at the president and yelling at the, um, the senators and the uh, governors and all these guys, we need to go to those guys in love saying, hey, some of these things are wrong that you're for, and this is why. Because we were one nation under God, and we still profess to be, and these are wrong. But you know what? I'm praying for you and your office every day that you will make the right decisions. I want you to know that I care about you as a person, not just I am here to yell at you and tell you you're all screwed up and you're voting for the wrong stuff and you're per saying the wrong things. But hey, I, God loves you. And we as the body of Christ love you. And we would just we would really love if you would stand for some of this stuff that we stand for. And we're praying that God will protect your office, help you to succeed, and that you'll do well on it. It's a lot easier for us to just pick on people. To say, oh, that guy's all screwed up, or that guy believes all the wrong stuff, or this, you know, it's easy to do that. But it's not productive, and it's not helping them. And it's not helping us, other than it might make us feel better because we're not that guy. But that's not what God wants. He wants us to show love as the body of Christ. I thank God that when we have church dinners, I've only been able to make it to a couple of them because of my busy schedule, but... I think it's so neat that there's there's just so love so much love there and compassion and you know we're all 
it's it's great fellowship. It's a great time. It's a great gathering. It's not anybody cutting each other down or pointing each other down or saying, "Oh, this this is wrong, that's wrong." But it's just people loving on each other and and loving on God and getting together and sometimes talking about the Lord and what He's doing in our individual lives. You know, hey, and it, everybody encouraging each other. That's what we're to do as the body of Christ. We're to encourage one another. Reminding them of our blessed hope that when we see, when the trumpet sounds, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are still alive, whoever that happens to be at that time, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be forever with the Lord. I look forward to that time. The Bible clearly calls it our blessed hope, and we need to encourage one another with those words. His conclusion, the Apostle Paul's conclusion, he says, So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when we do meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I'll give you further instructions. He's, he's like, okay, I've beaten you up enough. Get the point. Please do better. And when I come, I'll give you further instructions, and hopefully they're not as harsh as the ones I just had to give you. Um, are you ready with the... Yeah. We're going to have communion here in a little bit. Now, I will admit, these these are pretty neat. We have... Uh, a little wafer and a um, and a cup.